Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Comedy Arcade, part friendly panel show, part of vicious competition, where contestants fight with their best anecdotes on mystery topics generated through a trusty bingo ball. I'm Vince Layton, host of the show, Spirit of the Bingo Balls and Games Master. Points will be awarded for originality, amusement value and my general caprice and mood on the day. The contestant with the most points at the end of the game wins, but their opponents will be granted a few cheat codes along the way just to keep it interesting. So he got the wisecracking Yorick and you got the <laughs> non-wisecracking Yorick. Come on, Tim, let's, let's get through the intros. Let's, let's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, I like us. also... Over your other shoulder, you've got various Russian presidents this or whatever they are. This is not a experience. Right? Yeah. yeah. This is a podcast. This is for audio. So, um, describe uh, yes. all the things Just play some Russian tell. music. Not, not the best. Uh, <laughs> it is the first episode recording of 2022, everybody. Woohoo! Hooray! And we've brought back the amazing sports extraordinaire, Kelly Wells. How are you doing, Kelly? How's the start of your year? <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, we've got Novak Djokovic, we've got Prince Andrew. I'm having a brilliant time. This is going to be my year. Yeah, the news agenda is, um, there's it, it's reasons to be cheerful in it, isn't there? There's a, there's a lot. Lovely yeah. Boris. It's all going marvellously. Yeah, I like the great. idea that the story of Prince Andrew makes it your year. Yeah. Oh, just beautiful. I've been waiting for this to happen <laughs> for so long. No and longer now... His Royal Highness. No. <laughs> no longer. Doesn't get to hate the H anymore. <laughs> I love the way that the Daily Mail have instantly started to make sure that they just refer to him as Andrew. And just like, and then Andrew, and then Andrew, who used to be this. Really that, enjoying yeah. themselves. Um, we have <laughs> the amazing, funny woman, Rachel Krieger. Hello. Hi. The last time I saw you, I was trying a visual joke. Uh, the funny women semi-finals that did not land um so i just had elf ears on for six minutes and nobody heard the line as to why and no one questioned it so that was no. uh, the last well we tried to be supportive i think it'd be terrible if during the heats we actually <laughs> intervened when someone's joke doesn't land I'm, just gonna... in there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry imagine a compare running on the stage mid-set and going i'm so sorry uh, one of the things the audience hasn't understood is do you mind just explaining i think yeah. it would be bad form in comedy I think they missed that. I think something went with the connection fix. Do you want to do that again? Because you didn't get what, get what you deserved. I have had an MC um, interrupt sets like that. Not mine, but I've seen it done. Mm. Open mic in is fun. Um, and yeah. the brilliant Tim Fitzheim, who has played before, because you played two or three games at Edinburgh Fringe with us. But I don't yeah, think I you've did, ever I been did, on the I official did. podcast. So wow. It's the first no. time. No. I did. I did. I do. I did a very early one, didn't I? I think as well yeah. on the in this format with the with the faces on the screen format. Yes, at Mark Watson's I liked it. Um, twenty four hour online marathon show. That's so, right. That's yeah. right. We were all very tired. <laughs> so tired. It was a long day and night, and I was drinking yeah. at eleven a.m. Um, yeah. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Is anyone not tired? I just want to ask all the time. because all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be a standout memory. Sometimes I wake up refreshed and I'm confused. Like, what is this feeling? <laughs> <laughs> it's the singing, nothing. Oh, that's, that's so 2019. <laughs> so <laughs> we have got categories to get through. Everybody, in theory, knows the rules. Roughly. Yeah. I've got them in front yeah. of me in case there's any issues. Oh, you've already earned some points on that, Rachel, because how the scoring works is I just 
score based on um, what I like best. So, oh, so just recap. So you pick a ball. It says something. Then someone says something, and then there's some points, and then that's that's that. Then that that's ball. it, isn't it? Yes. So Tim nails it again. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> points for you, Tim. Points for you. And what well. was the what's is the wild card? There's a what is that still a thing? Um, no, because nobody ever read my no. email, so I just did away with those rules. To be honest, Kelly. I read your there. email. You guys. Oh, I've got what them. Was... Well, there you are. I don't understand them, but I've got them. Well, anyway, the first the first category is embarrassing injuries. Who wants to talk about that? <laughs> There's definitely nothing in my history that could uh, could lead me to that. Apart from one thing, I might have, I might have one thing. Go on. Yeah. Okay. So, as we've already ascertained, I live in the countryside. Um, I don't know if any of you were brought up in the countryside or if you. Uh, whatever. but it's kind of like a different upbringing you get used to mm-hmm. falling out of things and learning to milk cows and stuff like that all, all really transferable stuff so <laughs> I really really got into living in the country for the first couple of years and I moved into my parents old house so all my dad's old tools were in his shed okay my dad isn't a man that uh, wasn't a man that uh, used to look after his tools so they were all rusty and broken but I thought since we needed some kindling wood for the house, I thought he'd be really proud of me if I went out into the garden, got this big lump of wood and I chopped it into kindling for my family and I carried it all into the house. I think it was winter, the scene was set. So I found his hand axe, fine, never used an axe before. And honestly, I can't tell you what a beautiful feeling it was to swing the axe, break the wood, took a bit of kindling in, carried on doing it for a bit got a bit enthusiastic, went for a big, and the axe head came off the end of the handle um, because it was really rusty and the wood was rotten and it hit me in the forehead. Oh, my God. And I was, I I know, I was about 20, luckily not the blade end, it was the hard end, otherwise this, this story could have ended really differently. But I went into the house and I had a lump on my head that was about six inches out from my face. But I was fine. Do you see? Because I live in the countryside. I'm a country girl. You get hit in the face with an axe. No problem. Right. But I mean, I that think sounds like honest, an episode of Casualty. Yeah, I, I, my life is basically... Or Emmerdale. Could minutes. be an Emmerdale farm. <laughs> Emmerdale. Have we had any terrorist attacks recently? I, I don't think so, but I will keep you updated in future. Okay. Let us know. We'll follow you on Twitter. So, yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> axe yeah. to the face, no consequence whatsoever. Um, just a big lump on my face and a really good story to tell on podcasts. Lovely, yeah. Yeah, nice. I mean, maybe it had to be there, I don't know, mm. but uh, it really hurt. Oh. Top line, <laughs> didn't read. Yeah, it really hurt. <laughs> I mean, this isn't my story, but a uh, close friend of mine, um, his uh, he grew up in a countryside proper. I grew up in Essex country-ish, and mm. um, he, but he grew up properly on a farm, and his he told me once about his dad had an accident with a combine harvester involving quite deep cuts to the hand, and he just put a bit of duct tape on it and finished the field, because oh. that's how they work. Was but, that my um, dad? <laughs> that could have that could have been my dad. It was quite amazing. I have met the dad and he's he's exactly as you'd imagine. Mm. But um, I had a, an embarrassing accident, little okay. one. Um, oh, little one. 
when I was about, um, must have been about 12 or 13, and I was away at summer camp with my friends, and we were sort of young and stupid, and it was late, and we'd had like midnight feasts and stuff, and been up late, and we were so overtired that everything made us giggle, do you know what I mean, whatever, the stupidest thing made us giggle, and one of the boys at dinner, we were sitting around the table, one of the boys at dinner told a really terrible joke like a terrible not a funny joke a terrible joke so overtired I was laughing so much I fell off my chair and broke my arm I literally fell off my chair laughing and not even at a good joke and broke my arm had to be taken to hospital to have it put in and they didn't want to put it in a plaster cast because they said it might still swell I'd have to come back a couple of days later for the plaster cast um so they put it in like a half a cast so not even like a cool thing everyone could sign or whatever and I missed and I'm still upset about it now a number of years later uh, was that night it was I think the penultimate night we were going to the beach for like big bonfire, toasted marshmallows, all of that stuff. Didn't get to do any of that. By the time I'd finished at the hostel, having not even a good cast, we uh, drove past that bit of the beach. They'd all gone back already, missed it all. And then, um, and it was the summer holidays. So uh, I had my cast put on after camp had finished and didn't even get to like go to school or do anything where anyone could sign it. I had a mouldy, boring cast. And now there's a mediocre man on the stand-up circuit talking about the time he was so funny, a woman broke her arm. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't go and stand up. And I think that's (laughs) probably good for all of us in so many, (laughs) so many ways. But yeah. That's my I mean, traumatic. Not, get, not getting a proper cast is a real letdown. Yeah, I know, I'd seriously, have been crushed. <laughs> I would have been crushed. When it's just covered in gauze and you can't. Yeah, get, you can't the get bottom half. Yeah. I mean, it just shows how much detail I remember it in. Is how I'm still so annoyed about it. It was a fiberglass <laughs> bottom and then sort of cotton wool and gauze on the top, and it was just like naff. You couldn't do anything. I mean, even a sharpie would have been hard pressed to sign that. It was awful. Aww. I That's once had shocking. two full proper plaster casts on both my legs because my oh, wow. tendons are too short. <laughs> because so they of course to, you did. They had to extend my Achilles tendons, which is not, that was not fun. But the upshot of that was when the cast came off after six weeks, I was a 10-year-old girl with the hairy legs of a um, grown-up male football player. So <laughs> lines and lines of regimented hair had been allowed to grow <laughs> in the warm, dark conditions under the plaster cast. Oh. And my mum had this idea in her head that you shouldn't shave like your legs or like facial hair as a woman or any trace of moustache because it will grow back thicker. So right. she maintained this despite me being this child yeti, age 10. <laughs> Was she trying to sell you or something? Was she trying to to... exhibit you? (laughs) You've got a career, Vix. She's going, Vix, you've got a career in circus. You've got a career in circus. This is the greatest show. Show them, Vix. Show them. (laughs) But yeah, so that was... Is that funny? Is that trauma? That's the beauty of comedy. You don't know. Deep trauma. That is deep trauma. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think there are definitely people that have made a career out of it. (laughs) <laughs> there are definitely circus circus acts that have gone on the road with that. I wish I could have made a career out of it. Yeah. It yeah. just feels like, you know. I certainly, I've, I remember, I mean, I have injured myself quite a lot doing comedy uh, over the years. And, you know, I, mean, I think I've broken ribs, shoulders, feet, legs, hand. I remember the hand one, that was a disaster. So I broke my hand and they had to put metal in it to build it back together again. So I can't, wow. I still, I still can't grip things very well, but um, uh, I, 
uh, it wasn't that painful when they sort of put the metal in the hand. But because um, I previous to that, I, I like the person you said earlier had gaffer taped my own hand back together. So I was wandering around with a gaffer taped hand and the doctor finally went, what is what it, you can't. That's not the way this is going to get better. It's not going to help. So they put loads of metal in my hand and I was I went to stay with a friend and uh, and some of the metal fell out of my hand. So she came back into the room to find me pushing metal back in my own hand to try and like keep all the bones in the right, like to keep all the bones in the right place. And she was like, what are you doing? What what are you? And I went, oh, it's, I think the metal's fallen out. And, uh, and she was like, I've got to go to work. I've got to go to work. I can't, you can't, right. Just come to work with me. Now, luckily at this point, it turns out she was a doctor. So she basically took me to work with her. And, and, and basically then uh, admitted me to her hospital uh, as, a, as, a, as a patient uh, to put my hand back together. But she then said, like, I couldn't go into general admissions because I wasn't a resident of that area. So she she admitted me as like to her bit of the hospital. So I then had my hand like with metal half hanging out and I was like sitting there and trying to ram bits back in. And then she said, right, just sit in my waiting room of my bit and, and I'll come and sort it it's all out and it'll be fine and I was just sitting there and it was at that moment that I realized that she's a maternity doctor so I'm sitting <laughs> in what was a maternity wing of a hospital with like really heavily pregnant women giving birth with definite husbands with them as a single man who's like got claws coming out of his hand like on my own just in obvious like for no reason I didn't there was no reason for me to be there I was slightly nervous looking very heavily pregnant women going why are you here and where's your wife or other person I giving birth the going, in the maternity uh, it sounds like Freddy Krueger I um I'm I'm uh, well the thing off. is uh, all the best I could come up with was like I went to stay with the doctor and um she's come to deliver your baby I'm just a house guest but uh, something happened in the night which is why I'm here and uh, I, I don't want anyone to worry and so it was all just really awkward and then I heard her on the phone to the actual hand doctor who had tried to put my hand back together going yeah yeah I know. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> and it was just, it was all just cringingly embarrassing as I sat there trying not to, you know, off put any childbirth uh, with my very painful hand. <laughs> and at the end, what they ended up doing, which is what I'd said all along, is essentially gaffer taking my hand back together and sending me back to the hand doctor. So I, I arrived back at the hand doctor, who's the one who said, you can't gaffer take your hand back together, with me going, you see? This is yeah. what's just happened. You've just gaffer taken yeah. it back together. So there's a horrible circularity about that whole series of disasters. You bested him, Tim. Did it happen or was this a really protracted episode of Beagles about? No, that did actually all happen. <laughs> like, if I was sitting in a hospital, yeah. maternity wards, which I have been in my life, so this is from experience, and there was a man with metal claws gradually emerging yeah. from his hands telling me that he came here with the doctor, I would be looking for a TARDIS. That yeah. would be what would happen. Yeah. As Tim's twirling his moustache with his good hand. Yeah, <laughs> big scarf. Go along, go along with your business. Bit, Don't mind all me. All a bit of a disaster. That was a, that was a shocker. I do remember that. The question is, though, is there anything that Gaffer Tate can't repair? No, I mean, I've put my... I've put, uh, I used to live in a shack on stilts and most of that was held together with gaffer tape. Yeah, I my mean, whole house is held together with gaffer tape. Yeah. What yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
I kept gaffer taping it back together, but then I did lose somebody when they came to visit once because they came up the staircase and I hadn't obviously gaffer taped it together quite like strong enough. They were a bit heavier than me. And they got to the top of the stairs and just went and like disappeared. And their head kind of went, Wah! and they just disappeared. And all I could see was like the top of their head. It was all a bit of a And they were never seen again. No. I was gonna say, did they you find them? They didn't, they, they didn't come to visit again. I'm going to tell you that. They didn't come back. I kept just saying, oh, come back. After dark, if you walk up those stairs, a metal hand just <laughs> <laughs> That's before my metal hand. That was prior to that. So you claim, though. So you claim. 15 minutes, one category. All right. <laughs> but it was quality. It was all it was... gold. It was all yeah. gold. Right. The next Actually, one... that's, that shack on stilts, I remember, was the one where um, I didn't have any running water, so I had to catch my own water. So I was living abroad and there was no, like, no plumbing. And so I was catching my water and then I was funneling it into a big water tank. And uh, the cows kept trying to steal it so um there was like this increasing war between tank. me and the cows trying to steal <laughs> the, the water and cows as it turns out are surprisingly dexterous so first of all i put a tap on this thing and then the cows worked out how to turn the tap on and nick the amazing water. then i put a i put an i put a little like lock thing on the on the tap and the cows worked out how to disable the lock and then nick the water so then I put barbed wire round the lock, like put barbed wire round the tap, round the lock. And the cows worked out how to take off the barbed wire, unlock the tap and nick the water. So it was like, it's like one of those, I was living in a far side cartoon. That's what was happening. I feel like I they, were, they were getting in... some help from someone with fingers and yeah. thumbs. No, surely they were. No, they were very dexterous. Did you How were they with gaffer the tape? I was going to say, did you get the gaffer tape involved to solve yeah, the issue? Yeah, I should have done that. Gaffer tape. Just, yeah, I should have done gaffer that. tape the cows up and then <laughs> see if they can do it. Mm. No, yeah. maybe annoying. The the category is encounters with famous people. I'm scared. <laughs> oh. Um, I've got a weird thing about that. Um okay. because I don't know if this would be my like definitive encounter with a famous person, but um, I was flying for my show, um, An Insomniac's Guide to Ambulances, many years ago. So I think it must have been about 2012 or 2013, which feels like ancient history now. And um, we had it was on in a little theatre in the West End. I've just shown off, Ooh. and I was handing out flyers near in front of the Ivy, the restaurant, the Ivy, because yeah. I thought that'd be good to get some celebs in, and. Darren Brown walked towards me with like a couple of people and I wasn't sure what to do because I'm a bit scared of him because I think he might actually be magic so I uh, didn't know do I hand him a fly or not what happens what happens if our hands meet and anyway in the end I spoke to him briefly I think because who knows it was Darren Brown I gave him a flyer our fingers did touch and to this day, I'm not 100% sure whether everything that's happened since then is some kind of dream. And I'm actually in a hypnotic state in uh, central London being hypnotised by Darren Brown. And I'm probably just now sitting on a couch in front of the ivy, eating an onion like it was an apple, um, singing in a language I don't speak and all that stuff. Like I don't know. So a little bit of me wonders if that encounter with Darren Brown, because it's very unlikely that I'd end up becoming a professional stand-up for any number of reasons. So it does seem quite uh, surreal and imaginary. 
oh, I mean, I love that. Do you know, I've got one of those. It's not a celebrity encounter, but a white witch put a crush, uh, crush put a curse on me once. What? Uh, yeah, it's complicated. And um, <laughs> seriously, though, and I've always wondered whether like the things that have happened to me in my life are because of that or not. But how do you What's know? the difference between a white witch and a no- and, an, and a witch? And a normal witch. <laughs> like, what is if the... it's good witch and bad witch, putting curse on people, that's not nice. That's not a nice thing. White witches no. are normally meant to be like nice ones, but yeah. the one in Narnia wasn't. This one had gone a bit feral. No. <laughs> <laughs> got a bit feral. Grey. Yeah. She's a grey witch. I, Shades of grey. I, I did piss her off. Um, and I did hear that she put a curse on me. But no, as far as I can recall... I um they can put I mean, like, how did you uh, how did you how did you annoy it? What what was this a, like a a a, a taxi ride that went wrong? Or, or do you feel it was justified the curse? Um, no, I think it, to be fair, it was yeah, it was probably justified. I was only 17 and I'd accidentally like gone out with her friend's boyfriend. <laughs> so she put a curse on me. Accidentally. Do you trip and fall and find yourself having pasta? What happens? Well, sort of but I was only 17 at the time and he right. was older okay. so I'm using um the power of me too <laughs> to say it wasn't entirely my fault but I was very into it so yeah so that's what can happen to you if you nick other people's boyfriends kids. But what was the curse and did it work we don't know well, it's hard to it's tell because it if, if oh. you get I think mm-hmm. if you get a curse put on you by like a satanist I think you probably like get eaten by a sheep or something don't you so like it's kind of obvious that you've been cursed but if a white witch puts a curse on you it's like oh I've just got my foot wet when I've stepped out the front door or or something like that because they have the power isn't there so I don't know I'm just really hapless so I figure out that um you know I've just developed this clumsiness because of her and I'm going to die in a really embarrassing way yeah, I think I will. I don't have the energy of a natural cause's death about me. No. It's like, have you seen that medieval death bot on Twitter? No. Like every single thing, like you, you, if you tag them in, like you've had an accident or something, they'll tell you how you're going to die. And every single one of those, like getting hit around the back of the head with a ducking stool or something, it's just so on brand. Your own axe. My own, my own axe. <laughs> <laughs> or a white witch brandishing an axe. I don't know. Have you met any famous people though? Let's let's bring it back around. <laughs> Fair play, mate. That was really good. I I haven't met that many famous people because you're cursed my, to be because I'm cursed not to meet life. any. Yeah, <laughs> no glamorous very touch muggle. of Darren Brown. To... But my friend Jenny, when I was about thirteen or fourteen, was a huge fan of athletics. Oddly, and she had a massive crush on a javelin thrower called Steve Backley. Right. Does anyone remember Steve Backley? No. Yes, he was an Olympic guy, wasn't he? Didn't he yeah, do the he Olympic javelin? Yeah, yeah, he was him. very famous. Yeah, and yeah. I'm very old. He was yeah, famous in the eighties or something, wasn't he? Or thereabouts. Early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah. He's got great yeah. hair. Nineties. Got great. Always yeah. had really good hair, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so she had this crush on him, and she used to go to all these athletics events, and her dream was to meet Steve Backley and have a picture taken with him, and. She went off to an athletics meet that he was going to be at. She was really excited. I didn't go with her. And this was before texting and everything. So when she got back, she rang me and said, oh, my God, you're not going to believe it. I met Steve Backley. He was lovely. He was really nice to me. And I had my picture taken with him. Brilliant. So we had to wait for three or four days for photos to be developed. And she came around to my house after she'd done it with her. This is the moment of her life. 
open the envelope with the photos in it, find the ones, and there's the photo of Jenny, right, who on her best day is a solid five foot. And there's Steve Backley, who I checked earlier on, six foot four. Wow. So you've got lovely photo of Steve Backley, looking all handsome with his big hair, all this. And then you've got Jenny's head. She was wearing oh. a red cap, just about hip height. So looked a little offish. No sign of her face whatsoever. She never met him again. And that picture is up in her house. Oh, that's gorgeous. She's a legend. She knew she was there. Look at that is me. All right. Well, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? The whole point of photos with a celebrity was meant to be to commemorate a moment where you met them and connected with them. Whereas now it's just people wanting selfies to say they've had them and you don't get any kind of chats. There's a whole story. She was so happy. And I think she had them. to, to cap it all off, she took a banner saying, go on, Linford, because she loved Linford Christie, but she spelled, she spelled his name wrong and it was on the telly. She never really got it. Thank God Twitter didn't exist then. I'd have ruined her. I'm telling that, you. It's that weird, it is that, it is that weird phenomenon, isn't it, of people who were famous in the, let's say, early 90s seem to be still kind of, you know, weirdly famous now, whereas, you know, people is it just is it just that there is it your age is it that you hit them at that time in your life and that then or is it just because there are only four channels or three previously is that is that what made them more fa- I don't I, I don't, I'm not quite clear on why it that is but like it, that doesn't yeah. it like because when I was growing up you didn't have like children's tv channels or anything you literally had to watch whatever was on the telly in the school holidays which is why I grew up like at eight or nine years old I loved Laverne and Shirley well it's a great show well yeah obviously it's a great show and it's got the best opening credits that have ever been made and a brilliant song and a great song and a brilliant song which we'll recreate later today and put on the internet (laughs) but uh but yeah I think you just have this real fondness because when you're a kid everything's so lovely isn't it and you you Mm. just kind of oh it was better then it was better then but I'm starting to feel like you know, my mum going on about the Beatles when I was really small and stuff. And she's like, oh, shut up about the 90s. Also, because people were more accessible because they couldn't, you know, they didn't have like entourages so much and whatever. I, I remember um, hearing, is it Julia Donaldson who wrote The Gruffalo talking about when she was young, she had a massive crush on, um, I want to say Mick Jagger, but I could be incorrect, but she could just like, you can find their phone number in the yeah. phone directory and like stalk their house. Whereas Hello? now it takes a while of Googling to find people. You can and get then... there if you put the work yeah. in, but it's a little bit more effort. I it's, looked it's up harder. all of the Nicholas Joneses on the electoral register in my local library when I was 14 to try and find Nicky Wire's house. And we managed to triangulate oh, him to an area that we knew he lived in because he lived in a small village. And we found right. a Jones in that area and we went there because we were 14 year olds. We obviously wouldn't ring the bell. So we just went all the way to this obscure village <laughs> in Wales, sat outside possibly his house all afternoon making noise in case he came out and just discovered us. It's like, oh my God, look at you, Nicky Wire. Let's talk about Hoover's. And, um, yeah. I'll always remember think... I've got a photograph of me um all dressed in my 14-year-old best because you know I thought I was gonna meet Nicky Wire and he was gonna yeah. fall in love with me and that would all be Oof. fine and normal. And um yeah, just standing by the, the road sign, 
to his possible street and I still have that question. I'm like your mate. <laughs> so I, I just keep telling these weird stories weird. about Nicky Wire because there was there were a lot of them. I, I sent him makeup in the post. Right. Hire his agent because I thought that would be a thing. <laughs> I was quite I a sad. I was that. a lonely I was a lonely teenager. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, we all were. It is but weird. I managed to enlist two mates to this mission who weren't Manix fans. They just thought it would be a laugh. So that was the oh, power he's of the Manic Street Preachers guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the power I've of watched the rugby with him. I took two mates to the library, gave them administrative tasks to do, and they did it. Then I went, get on this bus to Aberbeek, and they did that as well. So Aberbeek. Aberbeek. I, um, there were no buses yeah, I've watched the, in Aberbeek. I've actually, I've watched, the rug, I've watched the rugby with him in Wales. Oh, so you just... <gasps> you just with him, like, with him, with him. You just know him. Yeah, yeah, we sure. stood ne next to each other. Don't tell yeah, him that yeah. story, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, do tell him that story and film it. Yeah, because yeah, I can't remember all the ins and outs of it, but basically a mate of mine knew this guy, uh, and he was called Nigel No Thumbs. And uh, basically, my mate said to me, we'll go to, we'll go to Wales. He's a, he's a Welsh guy. He's a, he's a great friend. And he said, we'll go to Wales... Uh, we'll go to the, the arms park, we'll watch the rugby with my mate Nigel. It's absolutely great. So I get to Cardiff. I was coming from somewhere up north. He's coming from, I think, London. And and I went, well, wh where is this Nigel? He went, Nigel, no thumbs. He went, well, you'll know him because he's got no thumbs. And and I went, okay. <laughs> the thing was that there was this was a, a like a busy pub in downtown central Cardiff on a rugby match day. So I basically ended up going around the pub going, hey, and like putting two thumbs up at people. <laughs> I'd see which person would like put no thumbs back and then I could work out which one Nigel no thumbs was and so basically I found Nigel no thumbs in this pub and he was Fire like how do you know what I was of elimination. by the process of putting two thumbs up and him like, putting no thumbs up and then I, I was like he went how do you know who I was and I went it's just a hunch uh and so we then go <laughs> to the rugby match where it turns out that did he not Nigel, know his name was no thumbs I don't I can't I can't remember that I don't know if he did know that. I don't know if he, I'm not sure. So we then go to the rugby match where, so it's me, not my mate, who still hasn't arrived by this stage, Nigel No Thumbs, and two mates of his called Die, one of who was so called well. Die, Die, <laughs> Die well. the Milk, right? And I said to him, why are you called Die the Milk? And he said, well, that's because I used to deliver the milk, but I don't do that now. And I went, what do you do now? And he went, oh, I know I'm, the, I'm, I'm a plumber. And I went, right, so why don't they call you Die the Plumber? And he went, well, because it's already Die the Plumber, so I can't change. Thanks. So, Thanks. like, because he delivered the milk when he was 13, he, the name had stuck for his entire adult life. So me, Die the Milk, Die the, die the Bread and Nigel No Thumbs go to, the, go to the, the Arms Park, where it turns out Nigel has somehow got a box or access to a box. So we go into this box and we're standing there in the box and JPR Williams and JJR Williams, who are two of the best Welsh rugby players in the history of rugby, I would say, and, and not just Welsh rugby, just general rugby playing absolute legends, uh, turn up and they're in the box with us. So I'm just a bit floored by that. And at the point the Manic Street Preachers come in, I, I'm, I don't really care at that, at that point because ultimately I'm standing next to two of the greatest rugby players in the history of rugby. And they're basically as impressed with the rugby players as I am. And then we get to the point where we sing the Welsh National Anthem. So I sang the Welsh National Anthem in the box with the Mannix. I remember oh, wow. that. Wow. That actually happened. Great celeb story. Yeah. 
But it's I, 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 those stories are weird, aren't they? Because we work with a lot of people who are quite well known in our jobs. Yeah. You constantly are like warming up for somebody or, or or introducing some 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 band or you know whoever you know uh, happens to be. And and I think they're quite special moments. I, I think. And I think also, especially if and when people are, like die. I, mean, I you know I I remember. Uh, so I, I, I was lucky enough to play. I, I ended up playing crazy golf with Patrick Swayze, and uh, and that was what? a very special what? Uh, time. How did that come yeah. about? Well, don't, yeah. um, he, you wasted our time he, with that rugby story. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Oh come on! How could you? How could <laughs> you place Nigel No Thumbs above anyone? I mean, come on! <laughs> that Patrick man's Swayze. He choreographed the whole of Dirty Dancing and yeah, sang yeah, yeah. that song. And yeah, and was and was a really genuinely nice man in my own experience Aww. of him a really lovely man yeah did you win yeah. or did he win uh i don't know if we were taking it that seriously or competitively i think we were just enjoying laughing with each other he was just oh. a very nice man so yeah we went around a crazy story. golf course together which was do nice. you have to yeah. be known do you have to be on a list or something to get invited to be in a celebrity golf tournament well, it wasn't really like golf, it was crazy golf. So it was like mini yeah, golf. Yeah, I know, but mm. I'm just thinking like pro-am, stuff like that. Can you just... I'm sure there must be a list. What is it? Victoria Wood said comedians divide into two. They're essentially depressives or people who wear funny trousers and play golf. And, <laughs> and I think that's such a good division of comedians. In, in, I could know. do all that, though. I wear great trousers and I can't play golf. So... Stand up comedy. I'm not really a comedian. That didn't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I posit another celebrity encounter? Go on, mm -hmm. I'll let you. <laughs> um, Is it Hamlet? Was, not on this occasion. Um, well, I don't know. He might have played Hamlet at some point. Um, when I was a teenager, I was almost definitely truanting from school because that was default. And I went up to the West End. I nearly said that in proper Essex. So I went up the West End and um, I was wandering down the street and ahead of me, I saw an old guy who I thought was the geezer who sits behind my grandfather in synagogue. He looked very familiar. And he had that sort of look at me. He was in a raincoat. He had a look about him. Anyway, so I thought, oh, if I don't say hello, my, grand my granddad would be very angry. So, um, you know, I went up to him. And I said, he didn't look very keen to see me. <laughs> I said, hello. He sort of said, hello. And I said, how are you doing? And he said, yeah, fine. We had like this sort of very small chat. And then I heard someone cough very loudly. And someone said, will you please get out of the way? And I turned around. I was so oblivious. There's a whole crowd of people, like a semicircle of people. The guy wasn't the old man who sat behind my grandfather in synagogue. It was the actor George Cole from Minder. And he was standing in front of the branch of uh, the Leeds Building Society where he was filming an advert. He used to do these adverts laughing all the way to the Leeds. And I <laughs> strolled into the set full of Essex confidence. And, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that come Sabbath, he was still like, on good terms with my grandfather. So it was important. And how yeah. did that work out for you? <laughs> yeah, not well. Yeah. Not well. And actually, the next time I went to my grandparents um, and went to their synagogue, I thought, no, that guy does, doesn't look like Minder at all, actually, who sits behind him. But yeah, true story. Yeah. Well, there we are. You were almost in an advert. That's what I took from that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's on my, obviously, uh, it's TV credits on my comedy CV. Yeah. <laughs> you were there. 
it was there a pull quote you could have got? <laughs> yeah, equity card. <laughs> Would you please get out of the way? Get her out now. There's also something. There's, there's also something about um, about comedians that do you know what I mean? That comedians that you really love that you get to see or work with, and, and yeah, and again, I, I think it's the ones that are just not with us anymore that are just really, you know, I, I loved. Uh, Peter Ustinov I love Peter Ustinov he's fantastic and so meeting him was just brilliant and I you know I've really I still look back on that and I still think he was and, and actually I used to we used to write to each other and um, Nigel Hawthorne was another one who played Sir Humphrey and uh, and again he was someone that I really admired and I just really felt lucky to have time with him he was he was great so there's, there's uh, uh, Eric Sykes what's not to you know Eric Sykes was a phenomenon and mm. uh, and spending time with him was I, the story I love about Sykes, uh, and I know this is true because he told me is basically Eric had his um, hearing aids put in his glasses, so he didn't have to wear glasses and hearing aids. They were one and the same thing. And so what he used to say is, um, uh, "I'm sorry, I can't ki- I can't hear you. I've not got my glasses on," which is such <laughs> a good line, but actually true. And oh. and what Eric used to do at the end of rehearsals, if the director had kind of been going on a bit, he just used to take his glasses off, fold them up, and stick them in his lap, and then he couldn't see or hear. So he, he was like, at that point, they just keep going on as much, you know, as much they, as much as they want to. I've I've finished this for the day. It's such a he was so I I, I adored him. Uh, and actually, the the one that you've just reminded me of in this chat is when I was a tiny kid, I used to play the trumpet and. Uh, and and I was watching one of my all-time favourite entertainers who's also a trumpet player, uh, and I was at the back, and I was completely... I mean, as a tiny kid, and I was completely gobsmacked, and uh, I was next to this really nice lady who was really cheerful and lovely and kind, and I was just... She could see, like, my eyes were out on stalks, and I was just utterly, you know, blown away. And uh, at the end, she said, do you like this guy and I said yeah 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 really do. I play the trumpet as well and you know blah, 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 tiny little face going blah, blah, blah. and she went well let's go let's go and see if we can see him come with me and this lovely woman took me to see what then turned out to be her husband who obviously was Roy Castle who was uh... one of my absolute like all time you know so for me a little trumpet playing kid oh. who kind of loved entertainment and was utterly you know blindsided by Roy Castle uh that was that was pretty special yeah Vic, so we're allowed to give points as well because like he's he, he's got my points <laughs> yeah. now beautiful this is beautiful I think it it's difficult to was... underestimate or over sorry overestimate how important Roy Castle was in the 1980s yeah. and what a big deal he was, was yeah but also wicked. let's not forget that the person that introduced Roy Castle to that lovely lady his wife was Eric Morecambe so it just keeps getting better. Wow. Yeah. So she was a dancer on the Morecambe and Wise show. And Eric basically set, bought her into Roy Castle's dressing room. This is the trip. This is the story. And just went, good evening. And did the glasses thing. It just went, she thinks you're rather a catch. Good evening. And then left the dressing room. And that was how he introduced them. That was like it. And then they ended up married for forever. You know, fantastically. Yes. Yeah. That's the best story I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, On the subject of Morecambe Wise, I saw Tom Turk, who is Comedy Arcade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sidekick. He doesn't record with me anymore because he's too busy being brilliant. The the show is 
insane mm. to play what i write it's it's touring mm. now listeners if you can see yeah. you should i was yeah. so proud i was like sat in the audience yeah. like that's my friend <laughs> yeah well, that, that, that's it's, it's the 20th anniversary tour which i went to see as well and it's just brilliant and i if the listeners are still if they're still on tour the play what i wrote the 20th anniversary tour with tom tuck uh, is absolutely super and i saw the original one in the west end 20 years previously and the night I was there, it was uh, the the get. They have a celebrity guest every night, don't they? And that someone comes on, and there's a, a wonderful part where they where they do that. But every night they say, "Oh, we're, we're meant to have Ian McKellen, but he can't make it." And that's the joke. It's an old Morecambe and Wise joke, basically. And the night I saw it, the the special guest was Denise Van Outen. But at the end, when they were taking a bow, uh, at the back of the stage, a tramp weaved onto the stage at the back. Uh, kind of broken through the past door and was weaving around in a Macintosh and they were at the front of the stage bowing and then the tramp came forward and you suddenly went that's Ian McKellen and it was he was he was obviously drunk and he had a plastic bag a paper bag with a with a bottle in it and he was swigging this bottle and he started speaking about why he was late for the thing and then his speech carried on going and yeah and then he he said and then he suddenly was slurring slightly less and then he just went, and that is why I am here this evening to present the Olivier Award for the. And he he reached into the paper bag and pulled out the Olivier That's Award, so which cool. he then no. gave. And I was like, suddenly they're going, oh my word, this can't happen every night. This is amazing. And then they said uh, they were on stage and they said, well, we didn't write most of this. A lot of this is Morgan Wise, which was written by Eddie Braben. And then someone came on stage and said, Eddie's here. And Eddie Braven came on stage, the guy that wrote Morecambe. I mean, I was just, again, in you total You touched Darren bits. Brown. <laughs> it was just incredible. So, but afterwards, after after the show, I'd I'd booked a little table in a restaurant for me and my mate that were there. We were walking down the side of the, the theatre and uh, walking Guess who you met way. next. Don't say anything. Let's all guess. <laughs> Norma Farms. Now, Norma Farns was Spike Milligan's agent, Eric Sykes' agent, and Eddie Braben's agent. And at the time, I was maybe, Norma was thinking about maybe trying to take on a new person, and she was wondering about me. And so she said, Tim. And I said, oh, hi. And she said, have you met Eddie Braben? And I was just standing there going, <gasps> no. And so Eddie Braben, the man that wrote Morecambe and Wise, was standing there. And I was obviously completely dumbstruck, like in a Roy Castle-level dumbstruck. And uh, Eddie then saw that I was, he was being very nice. And he just saw that I was like clutching a programme. And he just went, shall I sign that for you? And I went, yeah. So he, <laughs> he signed the programme. I then was like, just after I'd said goodbye, I was walking off, but just in an actual state of shock. At which point I bumped into Ian McKellen, who then went, all <laughs> oh, right, so you want me to sign the programme? So in the programme, he wrote the play What I Was Not In and signed it Ian McKellen. And apparently, according to him, he only ever signed one. So the only programme he's ever signed is this one that I had in my hand. So then I walk a little bit further down the, 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 uh, the alleyway at the side of the theatre and I see the guys that wrote the play, who I knew from Edinburgh, who used to be in a sketch show called The Right Size. Um, and Toby Jones was in the original as well, the wonderful actor. He was in the original show. And so they then said, what and I was just trying to explain what just happened, and they were just laughing at my total stammery, complete shock. And they were like, Well, uh, where are you going now? And I went, Well, I booked a table in there. And they went, We've booked a table in there. So then that me, the right size, Toby Jones, and Denise Van Outen 
all sat down and had supper together after they just won an Olivier Award the same night. It, I, I think genuinely it's one of my most, like, extraordinary nights at the theatre ever evenings ever it was amazing yeah that's was yeah. it the same witch that cursed me and you got all the good <laughs> sort of uh, i definitely think that that might be what that is that <laughs> was a lovely we're night gonna, we're gonna go out one day yeah it was really fun just it's just so it. magical that show the play what i wrote because that's the opening of the second half don't want to ruin it for anyone but the second that second half opens it's magical and if you're like me and love Morecambe and Wise that first five five minutes of that second half is just unforgettable uh, and I've seen it as I say 20 years apart and it's just it's golden it's a lovely show well so you know just to show my comparative experience after I saw the play what I wrote I met Tom Tuck in a pub we prearranged to be at and we ended up absolutely drunk as balls in a walkabout bar in I expect so but yeah puts my experience in the shade but uh, <laughs> oh it was yeah. lovely Tom's doing so well it's so good I'm so proud of him right on the subject of things to be proud of we have reached the end of the game sadly we've what? run out of time <laughs> we've only done one round <laughs> two rounds it's a new record <laughs> man you made it to two. You made it. Is that two. better than last time? That seems I, better than last I time. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Edinburgh was basically just one long category of us all interjecting into Tim's brilliant, highly convoluted story about getting arrested. But we haven't got time for that. We need to go around and tell tell all the listeners while I do the points maths where we can find you. Kelly Wells, where can we find you? What are you working on? What can you plug? Uh, I'm in the middle of projects actually you can Ooh. find me on Twitter at Kelly Wells uh, for the last year I've been working with Amanda Palmer on a podcast project that is on ice at the minute because she's still trapped in New Zealand blah 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 so the Big Mick Energy podcast that I'm going to be doing with fabulous comedian Sam White is just <laughs> who's been on the show and was brilliant um that should be out in the next couple of weeks i know i've been promising this for years yeah. but yes it's gonna actually gonna happen <laughs> um tim what about you what are you doing with your life at the moment i'm on i'm on the i'm on twitter i'm on twitter uh at tim Fitzheim and uh and actually now on instagram that's Ooh. very exciting isn't it i've gone on that to because i don't think people were quite believing of my nettle soup recipes so i've gone on to <laughs> to try and and spread the love of the nettle soup and and other things but but there is some nettle soup based content there can't wait to see on instagram it. oh i'm straight there and i'm also uh so what am i doing uh, there will there is a podcast coming out soon that i'm doing with john hastings which is very exciting um and that's going to be called the tale of two selbies and that will be out very shortly um get that to wherever apparently podcasts are and then i'm also uh the uh, creative director of the UK's oldest working theatre at the moment as well. So there's quite a lot of projects going on. Which is in Kings Lynn, I should say, oh. in East Anger. Go see it. We it's were. very old. If we're there. <laughs> First performance, 1445, which is, you know, uh, it feels like a long time. Yeah, quarter to three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's when we started this, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, about about 100 years ago. Uh, Many years have passed. Um, Yeah, Rachel, what about you? 
Uh, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm not very good at remembering to post on Instagram, um, at Rach Krieger, no all. And uh, I have a podcast with fellow comedian Philip Stein. We all have podcasts. That's all anyone does now because of lockdown. Uh, Yeah, but I have a podcast with uh, fellow comedian Philip Simon. It's called You Talking to Me, where we... Uh, I know it is a good title you you talking to me brilliant (laughs) Uh, my husband's came up with it if I'm honest it was his idea but yeah we chat to uh, people of Jewish heritage from across the arts media and entertainment industry lots of comics in there as well about uh, their lives growing up favorite foods family feuds that kind of thing and we are just recording the fourth series virtually as we speak Uh, not literally because it'd be weird (laughs) to record two podcasts unless you'd only invited Jews on that would have been helpful but uh, yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a bit fun. There's no religious content. Like no one's gonna come away from that being able to pass RE GCSE. It's a lot of it's it's a lot of fun. But there are some interesting celebrity type people on it. So yeah, check that out. That's at you talking on all the social media. No G, because like then it's not like Robert De Niro. Is it Robert De Niro? I never can remember who says it. You talking to me? Is that look Robert at De Niro? our little faces? We want to commit uh, to an answer, but we we aren't sure. I feel uh, it's the sort of fact I should probably be aware oh, of. Oh yeah, that is it yeah. Is, it is him. I've just it gone is. through my Al Pacino, Robert De Niro yeah. repertoire. I'm not yeah. sure it's him. Yeah. God, right. that's terrible. Well, obscure ends to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Tim, you are the winner because you kind of took us on an emotional journey. <laughs> I'm never going to question that. I wouldn't no. argue with that. I've got to say, it was, yeah, that was, that was, yeah, you, you made us feel things in a world where we're all a bit cold and sad. Yeah. So. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. This has been the Comedy Arcade, and you are now free to go. So. Thanks for listening to the Comedy Arcade. There'll be a new episode next Thursday with new balls and new guests. If you liked it, like us any way you can and subscribe and tell all your friends. Also, tell us. We're in all the usual places on all the social media. And if you didn't like it, I've been Sean Walsh and this is What's Upset You Know. The USP is It's Only 15 Minutes. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.